1: Plushcare.com slash weight loss.
2: You're listening to the QuickBook Reviews Podcast. Brighten your day with a book. Hello, my fellow bookworms. This is Philippa from QuickBook Reviews. How are you all? I think I think I'm okay. I don't know. It's one of those days where there's a great deal of multitasking going on. I have a dog with exploding cysts uh, on her paws, not nice. So just uh, trying to get the appointment with the vets. I've got uh, one poorly child. Nothing COVID. Nothing serious. Just a headache. Frankly, between you and I, I think. Too much screen time. So guess what? He's got a lovely day without screen. So that's all going well. And he's making as much noise as possible uh, to make the point about that. Um, but never mind. And uh, yes, and uh, another daughter, uh, another child who doesn't really want to do very much. And the idea of going for a walk later on for some fresh air is uh, disgusting to her. So that, that's my day. How about you? What's going on with you? I am going to get through this podcast at a pace, I think it's fair to say, because I just feel that a calamity is about to descend. And I don't know what it is, but I just feel like there's going to be a lot of shouting soon. So let's get on. Um, But I can't I can't rush it because there are some amazing books to talk to you about today and a great author interview. Really excited. So the books I'm going to cover today are The Art of Death by David Fennell, Lockdown by Peter May, Shuri by Nick Stone and Dearly by Margaret Atwood. Um, So let's get started. So uh, The Art of Death by David Fennell. I'm I was doing something called a reading party. I've talked about them before on Twitter. Um, They're a a great thing that you can do. You get There's about, I don't know, 20, 25 people can sign up at any time. So everyone gets a good chance of reading. Um, You get part of this author's new book to read, and you all meet online on the Zoom with the author and you take it in turns to read. So you hear the author reading, and each one of you read. I've talked about this on the podcast as well before I know. Um, And then you get to ask them questions, uh, and then you can also ask them to write a dedication to you to go in the book, uh, which is then posted to you by. Bert's bees, all wrapped up in Bert's bees. What? My Bert books. Come on, Philippa. Take a deep breath. It's fine. Yes. Bert's Bees make very nice lip salve. They do not post lovely books wrapped in ribbons, Bert's books do that. <laughs> and you've got that as great memento. Um I admit I hadn't heard of this book The Art of Death until it came up as a reading party and I was at that stage of lockdown where any reading party event I was just like, "Yep, yeah, sign me up. I'm doing this. It's fun." Um and I got to hear about this book and it just sounded It sounded so intriguing. It sounded a bit serious, a bit sort of horror-esque. And I thought, am I brave enough to read it? And I'm so glad I did because bravery, well, bravery is required a little bit, but it's not one to put you off. You don't need to be super brave. It's just a great crime book. It really is. Here's the blurb anyway. Death is an art and he is the master. Three glass cabinets appear in London's Trafalgar Square containing a gruesome art installation. The floating corpses of three homeless men. Shock turns to horror when it becomes clear that the bodies are real. The cabinets are traced to at anonymous. So this is this is not the blurb. This is me explaining. So it's like anonymous, but without the A, it's the at sign. I'm back to reading the blurb now. An underground artist shrouded in mystery who makes a chilling promise. More will follow. 18 years ago, Detective Inspector Grace Archer escaped a notorious serial killer. Now, she and her caustic DS, Harry Quinn, must hunt down another. As more bodies appear at London landmarks and murders are live streamed on social media, their search for Anonymous becomes a desperate race against time. But what Archer doesn't know is that the killer is watching their every move and he has his sights firmly set on her. It's it's a great book. Um, I loved it. As I say, it wasn't as horror filled with horror as i thought it would be in fact i had put uh, been put off starting the book for that basis but no it's it's a great crime book and as i've said with other uh, books that i've covered it's got great characters in and that's what sort of warms it up so it's not this sort of cold it's not a cold nasty read it it's got nasty events happening but because the characters are so good so well portrayed and so interesting it draws you in um And uh, yeah, I thought it I thought it was a great book. But let's talk to David now. So, David, thank you so much for joining me today. I really
3: appreciate it. You're welcome. I'm very, very happy to be here.
2: Well, wanted to talk to you about about this book. I, I loved it. You know, death is an art, but he is the master. I love this combination of art and crime. How did you come up with that very unique concept?
3: well i i wanted to create a crime book that was um, probably different to what was around at the minute Mm -hmm. um i I wanted to go high concept with my police procedural um and and you know something that would really grab the um, the reader's interest rather than you know a sort of technical police procedural which is not my bag anyway so i wanted a you know a, a kind of you know tech savvy canny killer who has a who loves art and and wanted to use his um, his, his uh, uh, victims as as art. And really, you know to take a step back, the first thing I wanted to do was um, to have a uh, is for the killer to use social media and mm. you know the you know, uh, um, apps that we use today, Facebook, Instagram, um, all the dating apps. I wanted him to use those because that data, you know, it's all out there for people to see and, and and to read. And I wanted him to use that to groom people. But then I was thinking, well, you know, once he's captured his victims, what does he do then? Um, and I didn't want him just to dispose of them. I just thought that's just so um, <laughs> yeah, boring. Yeah, it's so dull, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so dull. No. So I thought, well, not, well, you know, how about, and, you know, and I'm always kind of fascinated by people like Damien Hirst and Banksy and, and what they do and I thought well there's, there's, a, there's an opportunity there to maybe mm-hmm. you know have this kind of narcissistic serial killer who you know sees his m- murders as art and uh, and and you know and yeah and, and that's kind of where that idea um, was born it kind of evolved
2: yeah so you didn't see it as one the story is one complete picture one day you didn't wake up and you saw the whole thing it, it came to you in in pieces
3: well, I guess it did. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, I I definitely wanted to include the social media aspect of it. Um, but then um, at the same time, you know, it's I, I thought at one stage there might be two different books. Um, and um, but. I, you know, I thought, like, like I said, you know, I wanted I wanted my killer to have something to do with his victims just to make it really chilling and disturbing for the reader and uh, so, so I guess yes to answer your question it was a kind of it was in bits and uh, and it kind of melded together. Mm.
2: I I love the inclusion of modern technology and how it was used to manipulate the situation it certainly put me off going on social media for a while because you do have to be so careful about the details that you put on, but I, I just thought it was it it was great. Just added an, another element to that. But your background is sort of cybersecurity.
3: That's right. That's right. Yeah. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah, I work in cybersecurity, and um, I'm very aware of the dangers of, of of sharing data and sharing too much of your data. And I and I feel very strongly about information privacy and how. Mm. Um, we should not be um we should be very cautious with um what we're sharing, but platforms, people like facebook, Instagram, they have a responsibility um to us as their customers to not use our data against us, and this is what's happening um mm-hmm. on a day to day basis, you know it's like you know, and, you know our data is being used to influence us in, in how we think mm-hmm. and feel and, and what we buy um even on netflix for example that now netflix will you know tell us well you watch this so you might be interested in this it's kind of restricting our um choices in mm-hmm. a way so we're we're looking at what is recommended for us rather than expanding our horizons um maybe looking at the movies that we would generally not watch yeah yeah, and that's and that, that's a very small issue, I think, but it's a indicative of a wider problem. You know that you know, we governments and companies are using Facebook and um, platforms like that to influence. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, you know, it's a, uh, in my view, the, the Brexit was very much determined by um, what. <clears throat> was influenced by uh by, by um facebook yeah and social media yeah. misinformation was just generated everywhere um, and you've
2: got this one character who is he, he's not a corporate he's not using the information in, in that way but he is very quickly able to you know if he sees someone in a cafe he's very quickly able to get all the details that he needs on that person without having to be, um, you know, a cyber specialist. He he's, he can just access it and it just shows how careful you have to be. Um,
3: yeah, That's right. So, I mean, anyone can do this, you know. I mean, obviously I was using the example of larger organisations using it to influence, but, I mean, it's, that's exactly what he is doing. Mm. You know, he is going on to... Facebook, for example, to find out to build a profile of his victims, mm. so he can see where they eat, where they drink, where they uh, what parks they might visit, you know, because they check in and they um, and and they post little um, uh, you know, posts about where they are, what they're doing mm. today, who they're with, <clears throat> and they're, and you know they're leaving just breadcrumbs that are just left everywhere for people just to find out, you know, um, what what you've been up to, what the person's been up to, and um, and of course everything's linkable. And if your your uh profile is public, then um, it's there. I mean, I say all oh, this. My po- profile's public. <laughs> <laughs> so,
2: you're not being. The thing careful. is, I think it's too
3: late. I, I really think it's too late now. You know, we're it's like, mm-hmm. you know, we're it's what, what's going to happen. <laughs> you know, what are they going to do? it's like, you know, my my profile's been public for a long time, and I, I have nothing to hide. Um. um that's it and so with my killer he um, he uses that and of course he then he will go into the dating app so he'll find out who's Mm. on the dating apps like you know using tinder or grinder or whatever and and he will um in there there's a lot more intimate information and he can um, then groom people and catfish them Probably um, pretending to be someone else, and you know, and flatter them, and just you know, say wonderful things to them, and uh, um, in particular, sort of lonely people, um, and uh, mm. and that's you know, and he'll hook them in.
2: Yes, gosh, he and and he does, and I love the combination. You've got this unnerving unnamed killer, and then you've got Grace Archer, who I I just loved, and um. For me, some books that are sort of a little bit too much horror, I can't, I can't cope with them. But when you've got a great character, a, a, a real person that you can identify with, um, then, then I can read it. it Makes it more palatable for me. And I felt you sort of delivered that. Was it, was it deliberate to have this, this combination of the, the two oh, extremes?
3: Totally. You know, <clears throat> really, for me, this book is about. Grace Archer, these books are about Grace mm. Archer. It's about her. And, and I love really strong female detectives and, and strong female leads. You know, To me, they're always more interesting than men. And um, you know, she has a lot to, to deal with um, in, in what is still a very... It might sound cliched, um, um, but it's still... I mean, I think police are still a very male misogynistic... Mm we go through them all and i don't mean that unfairly there's so many great policemen but you know we you know we you know we see a lot on the news these days about problems within and I mean, i'm mean, i not saying that's the case everywhere it's absolutely not um and i know some police people and they're wonderful people and so but you know that that's yeah i wanted to depict that in the book and i, and I wanted to um um Obviously, it also shows some really great police people. I should say in the book too. But you know, I, her character is is crucial to the story and and how she deals with um, the 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 investigation and the killer and and the other everything else that's thrown at her.
2: She seemed a really natural character, and it felt it felt as if I was coming to her partway through a series that you'd already. You already knew her so much. I, I I just thought, gosh, what what's gone on in the background? You, again, was that something had, have you spent some time with Grace before you started writing the book?
3: Um, well, it I took about two years to write this book. Um and obviously she's been we've been living together <laughs> <laughs> in that way. So it's like um and you know, and she's been very much a, a part of my life. You know, I, w- when I walk the dogs, I sometimes because she's constantly in my head <laughs> and what she's doing. Um, and I'll call my do- like Archer, Archer, and it's like when no, they're not called Archer, like either one of them. You know, and I've, i and then my one of my devices whose name I'm not going to mention. You know, you know, yeah, I sometimes call Archer. <laughs> Oh no! Archer, (laughs) um, play. What's the
2: temperature in Honolulu? (laughs) Yes.
3: Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So she's, you know, and I, yeah. So it's, it's, you know, and I'm so flattered to hear that that you you thought that, and um, and and that's, yeah, it's wonderful to hear. I, you know, and.
2: That's interesting, though, that she's sort of in, in your head. And it's not just you. There are other authors that are like that. But she's she's a strong character. Do you, do you f- sometimes find Grace Archer telling you how to react to certain circumstances? Does she oh, absolutely. You know, go beyond the book?
3: Um, no, I mean, this is all um, she, all her... Decisions are what are made by her, not by me. I mean, if I was thinking, this is what I would do in this situation, not what she. she yes, would, you know, run I'd and run. hide. Yes, <laughs> yeah. very fast. Yes, in the other yes, direction. Yeah, exactly, but that's not her. She's a, you know, brave and moral and kind and, and I'm some of those. You
2: know? <laughs> yes. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I just yeah. wondered if in your life sometimes there's a bit of Grace Archer pushing you to.
3: Um, I, I, there absolutely is. You know, I mean, certainly her experience with her grandfather is all, of, nearly all of that I've gone through with my father, oh. um, and and still do now. Um, so that's all, all very real, and a lot of them, almost all the emotions that she's experiences in the book are, you know, I've experienced them too. You know, and oh, uh, sure. we we all have. There's nothing unusual well apart from being obviously kidnapped by a serial killer or anything like that. I've never gone through that. hopefully not.
2: <laughs> but, I didn't all like the, that.
3: hopefully not that still you know the, the days young. Um, you know, <laughs> yes, I can um, I can
2: see you David and I'm just behind you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
3: <laughs> so um <clears throat> yeah and yeah but they're you know they're kind of a, yeah, everyday emotions that we all go through not, yeah. you know, not nothing you know we when we all got so much to deal with um all the time it's a I so I guess from that perspective there is there, there is a um certainly a little bit of um Grace Archer, yeah and, and me, me yeah
2: and I liked how you managed the balance between fear and sort of optimism the flow there again is that something that you had to work on and alter as you were going through or or did that flow just sort of happen quite naturally
3: um <clears throat> It didn't happen naturally. Um, I had to work on it. Yeah, and and I, I didn't want. Um, you know, the, the, I mean, the fear is really important for the suspense and everything else. And um, but at the end of the day, I didn't want. I don't want a bleak book. I don't mm-hmm. want, um, which is kind of laughable considering that a lot of people die, really. <laughs> but it's, uh, you know, I wanted um, that. I did. I always wanted a sense of um, optimism for the reader and um, although I mean that's questionable I think when I, th- um, when I think optimism I'm thinking I wanted to inject a lot of heart into the book um, and I, ho- I hope I achieved that that's that was that's something that was important to me sometimes sometimes as police or detective books sometimes it's just too bleak and too harsh and you know we all have to deal with so much already and just certainly during a pandemic that those are difficult reads you
2: know so yes no I can understand it 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 was a book that unsettled me a bit while I was reading it but when I finished it 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 was fine Um, whereas some books that just go too much on the fear uh, even afterwards just still there with your teeth chattering hiding in a wardrobe refusing uh, to come out and face the world so yeah it, it worked for me certainly
3: that's well, I'm really glad to hear that. Um, and I'll work on that in the second book. Yeah. I like the idea of getting people chat teeth chattering. <laughs> <laughs> i quite I quite like those kind of books myself, but um as long as there's this kind of otherness to them, you know, maybe you know, not too bleakly real, but books that are, you know, that are unstir- Like The Whisperman I thought was a terrific book.
2: Um, yes, yes, that was a sort <clears throat> of a, a similar one, and I, 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 th- um, I think in some ways M. W. Craven, Mike Craven's books, like the mm-hmm. first on the Puppet Show, there were elements of that, and again, he delivers so well with his characters that it just helps sort of carry this the story. But certainly, the Art of Death is no Miss Marple. We we do need to be, you know, yeah, clear about that. It's it's not um the, the it's punchier than that, and th- and that's what we want to read.
3: Yeah, that's right. It's it's it is quite disturbing in parts, but very much so. And and that and that's uh, um, people shouldn't forget that.
2: Yes, but <laughs> disturbing that I could cope with, and I get scared. Right. You know, I found the BFG film far too scary for my liking. Oh though. really? Yeah. <laughs> so I can I can cope with that. Let's talk about plotting as well. Um, you mentioned it's taken a period of time to to write this book, a couple of years. How did you, and you know plotting's an interest of mine, how did you go about plotting this book?
3: Um, well, uh, as I do with um, all my writing, I generally plot, I always plot, I'm a I am plotter. <laughs> because, I you know, I, I find that I've got, like, I, I need a map, a map of what, or a road map of where I'm going, because working full time, I... Mm. Um, I only find out a couple of hours a day um, to, to write. So write, I, I used to be able to write in the morning and then work and then in the evening, but right now, you know, especially this year during this period of the pandemic, it's just been really, really tough. So um, I'm, I'm writing in the evenings and that works really well. So I might do three, hour, three or four hours in the evening mm-hmm. after work. <clears throat> and so to, to allow me to do that, I, I need to plot. So I need to know ahead. Of what it is I'm going to be writing. So I will, you know, and uh, uh, the idea of a book will form in my head, maybe over a period of weeks and months, you know, I'll be mm-hmm. walking with the dogs or, you know, staring into the distance, you know, <laughs> at the table full of people. <laughs> what are you doing? Where are you? They'll say, and I'm like, oh, I'm just, I've got an idea. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I'll, once it's kind of got some sort of form, um, I'll write it down. And then I'll try and um, I'll do like a full synopsis, and then try and and break that down into acts if I can, and um, and then chapters. But that inevitably changes, Um, you know. I uh, and it will evolve and get hopefully better, you know, as you uh, as you go on. So I'll um, and I think that's important um and, and that process works very well for me I
2: have mm. to say well that no that's great and it delivers in in the book I'm interested in this combination of being uh an author and working in cyber security the two don't seem to be uh, immediately similar um you know not closely linked How, at what point did you think I, I want I want to be a writer
3: oh since I was a child right. <clears throat> um I wanted to be a writer and, and i Always written. Um, and in fact, the job I do, although I work in management now, you know, I'm older, <laughs> um, is, is working in uh, in the field of technical writing. Um, um, so, but although I don't do any of that, it's um, that's, you know, I, I look after people who do that for I products. And, and that's very much telling a story, also. And I kind mm-hmm. of fell into that job because I wanted to do something in writing. Um, and and you've actually a lot of um, people who there are other writers who are like me, you know, who also um, do technical writing and stuff like that, mm. you know. And it's a, and that and, mm. you know writing stuff like that, uh, because it's you know for end users, you know, of software, for example, you're still telling a story as, as such. So it's kind of you know it's kind of a good way to earn a a bit of cash and, and still do what you what you love doing so that's um <clears throat> but I, I always wanted to, to write since I was, I was a child and um and wrote you know whenever I could um I was a secret writer you know you just, ah. all things you never tell people yeah and you know you're <laughs> afraid someone's gonna laugh at you um um and uh or you know but it's uh yeah
2: very good, so throughout all that time, what would you say is the one moment that was your your lucky break when when did suddenly it all change
3: so it's it's, it's a very good question i I pitched to my agent um six years ago um and it was very, very uh, serendipitous, the whole process really, because um, I, there was an event on in Winchester that um, I saw, I was in work and I was looking at Twitter um, during my lunch, I'll just say. Of course, <laughs> of
2: course. <laughs> and, I,
3: and I seen a, just an, an old tweet about, you know, apply to this writing festival. Um, I said, "Oh, that sounds good," uh, and but then I saw that it was finished um, and it was closed, and then I seen the lineup for the weekend. Oh, that looks really great. know, um, and so then I found them up and said, "Please, can you, have you got any slots? Can you let me in? Go on, go on, blah, 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 blah. please, pretty please." Uh, and she and, and the lady said, oh, "Okay, you can get on." So then wow. Yeah. And then two days later I, I was there and um, and then I did this thing, yeah, like you did. So, yeah, sweaty uh, pitch, palms and sweaty yeah. palms, yes, and, and it's uh yeah, I pitched to a few agents and that that weekend uh, and um and then got um, selected. So that was a uh, that was wonderful.
2: Yeah, I'm really happy for you. I'm trying not to be jealous <laughs> at oh, all. Don't
3: be,
2: don't be. <laughs> no, fantastic. So David Headley is, is your agent, mm-hmm. which is, yeah, absolutely brilliant. So since, since then, you got your agent, um, your book's been published. What, what's been the biggest shock or biggest surprise to you about getting a book, publishing, pu- pu- getting a book published?
3: Um, <clears throat> it's a very slow process. Mm. Um, and um, you know, I would say to other writers, you know, I see other writers always, you know, you know, on on Twitter and, and and that just struggling to get an agent, you know, mm. and 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 I and being rejected, and that's you know, we've all, we've all been there and continue to be there all the time. And uh, of course I would say just stick at it and you will get there and, and go to writing events and meet agents, meet publishers, be nice to them. You know, Because you know, this is a really good way to, you know, uh, meet people and show people that you're not crazy, for example, because they, they, you know, they, no one wants to work with crazy people, which is a tip. <laughs> but um, to answer your question, um, I would say what surprised me the most um, is that The rejection does not stop there. There's more rejections and more rejections. So, once once your book, you got your agent, then goes to publishers, and then there's more rejection because not everyone likes it and everyone wants it. And then, once she gets published, then it's, you know, you might get submitted for prizes or awards or whatever. Then there's more rejection and more rejection. It's just a constant cycle. (laughs) Oh,
2: yes. So it no. doesn't stop there. Yeah. A result. No,
3: no, it doesn't. But I mean, that's the that's what you that's the deal that comes with the territory, and uh, and we should never put anyone while. And know. what
2: what was what's been the highlight of getting published? Was it that the day the deal was done, or the day you first held a proof of your book, or the day it, it first well, it didn't. Was it in shops? I suppose. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, during lockdown, it's been so difficult, but what's been the the best day for you so far?
3: It's a Good question. Um, So I guess the, this is, I mean, I would say probably in in an ideal situation, the best day would have been launch day where we had a a party. and, And lots of people would have been there and, and And we kind of sold more more books and you got a real buzz about it, and that would have been um wonderful um but like many other writers being published at this time it's just not possible but the um I guess the best day w- was still launch day um and having it eventually out there
0: mm-hmm.
3: um, and and you know hearing people's reactions and seeing people get excited about it um was just was wonderful. So
2: Oh, that's great. So what next?
3: Well, I'm currently working on the follow-up. Um I have to deliver that by the end of this month. Oh. Um so and and obviously a a lot less time to write this one a year. That's been a real struggle uh yeah. quite stressful actually yeah <laughs> but, i'm sure but that's that's i, I knew that that was going to be the case you know i didn't obviously i didn't have a, a deal with the first one so you just kind of write mm-hmm. as you go as you go yes. but not not anymore but um
0: ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer
1: code buttery exclusions apply see site for details
3: but yeah i'm i'm you know i go from being you know comfortable with you know this is, you know i'm happy with it if and then to be like Oh God, it's crazy. Yeah. It's terrible. I'm going to throw it away and start again. No, I can't. I've only got a couple of weeks.
2: Yeah, so it's not the yeah. time to restart. Yeah.
3: yeah. yeah. So how so, many
2: thousand words are left, or can you say?
3: I can, yeah. Um, I, I think I've got about how many have I got? About 60,000 written. Um, and uh, The Art of Death was 90. Ninety-five thousand. Um, so, but I'm not sure I'm going to be able to do that. <laughs> Thirty-five thousand. Um, so, I would say about twenty. Yeah,
2: to go. Yeah, so uh, that's going to be some intensive writing coming mm-hmm. up, shall we say? Yeah. yeah yeah well Well, excellent well I just thought it was a great book I thought you you know through the art of death you deliver the art of writing and I just can't wait to read the next one David thank you so much
3: thank you so much Philip Uh, it's been a pleasure and and fun and uh, good to talk to you Gosh, that
2: was very interesting, wasn't it? I just find it fascinating talking to these authors. So, yes, The Art of Death by David Fennell. Brilliant. Really enjoyed. I had worked out a bit at the end, but it didn't stop the book being brilliant. Um, I really think it's a good one. It's nice to have some fresh writing and, uh, yeah, a great read. So there we go. That's uh, The Art of Death. From, from one could-have-been-scary book. To another could have been scary book. Oh, hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Before I do anything, Philippa, let's remember first sentence. Let me read you the first sentence of The Art of Death. So this is The Art of Death, the first sentence. Uh, Chapter one, Central London. He approaches the Lumberyard Cafe on the corner of Monmouth Street and Tower Street and checks his watch. There we go. So that shows um, it's very sort of relevant UK based Uh, Just an interesting story that really brings you in. But anyway, let's get on to this next one. So the next one that slightly scared me is called Lockdown by Peter May. Now, the story on this is that it was written a long time ago, I think 2006, but I could be wrong. Clearly a long time ago. And Peter May, an accomplished author, sent it to his agents and they said, poof, a story about a pandemic. (laughs) Won't won't wash. Nobody nobody wants to read this, or I presume that's what they were saying. Whether they said it with that accent, I don't know. Could have been. It uh, just won't wash. Anyway, enough of <laughs> dear. It really is going to be one of those days, isn't it? Um, so it was uh, laid to rest, and then of course we had COVID, the global pandemic, and Peter May thought, oh, hang on. Sure, I've written a book about that, pulled out the book and suddenly his agent said, oh, yes, yes, we will publish that immediately. And it became a huge success. I'll read you the blurb, um, uh, but I must explain that this is a book that I first tried to read 12 months ago and it freaked me out so much I couldn't. And now I've read it and enjoyed it. So let me tell you that first of all. OK, so here we go. The blurb. A city in quarantine. London, the epicentre of a global pandemic, is a city in lockdown. Violence and civil disorder simmer. Martial law has been imposed. A deadly virus has already claimed thousands of victims. Health and emergency services are overwhelmed a murdered child. At a building site for a temporary hospital, construction workers find a bag containing the bones of a murdered child. A remorseless killer has been unleashed on the city. His mission is to take all measures necessary to prevent the bones from being identified. A powerful conspiracy. DI Jack McNeil, counting down the hours on his final day with the Met, is sent to investigate. His career is in ruins, his marriage over, and his own family touched by the virus. Sinister forces are tracking his every move, prepared to kill again to conceal the truth. Which will stop him first, the virus or the killers? Let's find the first sentence on this. Um... Oh, okay. Here's a here's a nice, <laughs> here's a nice calming first sentence of the prologue. Her scream echoes through the dark, squeezed through a throat constricted by fear. Yeah, so that's um that's a very nice uh, Miss Marple book. It's not Miss Marple. Um, oh now and and I can hear the bin men have arrived now as well. So sorry for the background noise of that, but I'm going to keep ploughing on. So. 12 months ago, I had tried to read this book and I just couldn't because how he has, how he has done this, I don't know. But the book is about a global pandemic. Um, the story is set in London. They're having to construct emergency hospitals. The prime minister has contracted the virus and he is in hospital, very seriously ill. And at the time I first read it, that was the situation we were facing. And I I just couldn't. I couldn't put it in a compartment and just enjoy the story for what it was. But now um, I don't know. I'm just feeling slightly more relaxed about things. Who who, who knows what will happen tomorrow, but slightly more relaxed about things today. And I thought, "Uh, let's just try this book and see and see if it works for me now. And I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. Um, I just don't know how Peter May managed to foresee all of it. Well, he didn't foresee it, but how he imagined this. And then, obviously, it, it, it has come to pass. But... The fact that uh, I enjoyed it, I think, is again down to good characters. Um, so people facing an awful situation and this awful murder. Uh, and you want the the baddies to be found and held to account. And you've got this very beguiling, interesting um, crime solver, the, the policeman. And it's his last, it's his last, you know, few hours really working for the police, this D.I. Jack Neal. Um, And his story is very interesting in the circumstances. And yeah, I I enjoyed it a lot. And I think I was just relieved that I had been able to read it and finish it. Um, So if you are still finding the pandemic a huge worry. Obviously, we're all worried about it. But if it's something that you just you just don't want to go there, then clearly not a book for you right now. Um, but if you're thinking, well, I I could maybe tolerate it. I I just sort of it's extraordinary. And to read a book that someone has written that just sort of imagined a lot of how it all ended up is is extraordinary. So there we go. I want to know. What Peter May is um, writing, what is his next sort of imagined, slightly dystopian book, (laughs) because if it's something pretty awful, I need to read it and prepare myself because this guy clearly can see into the future if that's not scary enough. But anyway, so on from from two quite... not shocking books, but serious crime books to something completely different. Um, Now, uh, you know, I'm a huge fan of Lauren and the Books on YouTube and her partner, boyfriend, fiancé now, David, had mentioned that he's a huge fan of the author Nick Stone. Um, She writes a lot of YA books and he mentioned this book that immediately got my attention. It's called Shuri. And it's um, done in collaboration with Marvel. It's got the Marvel uh, logo on it. And it's a a Black Panther novel. Um, And it's actually mid-grade. So it's it's younger than YA. But I loved it. I think if you're into Black Panther, you would enjoy this. So Shuri is Black Panther's younger sister. She's the one that comes up with all the sort of inventions and collaborations and this is a story that is different to that that's in the film, um, but it's the first in the series and it's just it's a nice, easy, quick read. So, again, it's it's like having a, pla- a palate cleanser between, you know, after some two quite full on books. Uh, here's, here's the blurb. If you told her a fight would be waiting for her the first time she left Wakanda, she'd roll her dark eyes and wave you off like a conspiracy theory. Not that she'd ever admit it out loud, but she's not even sure she can fight. Thanks to mother, she hasn't truly trained in years. She was still a single digit in age the last time she made a fist. Because fight she will. For herself, her life, her future. For her people, for their future. She will go out of her way. She will risk it all. Her very existence. The princess will fight for Wakanda. <laughs> oh, I think that's not good. I feel like I'm reading some an advert for a film or something. <laughs> it's very good. Sorry, it's it's uh, one of those days. And again, the first sentence prologue. She didn't know she'd have to fight. There we go. Um, I really enjoyed this. I love that it's part of a series. Um, I imagine with the very sad passing of the actor who played Black Panther, that they might take the story in a different direction. And it would be great to see his sister Shuri um, be even more involved in future films. So maybe they are setting some stones here, some seeds for us to follow that, that might end up in a future film. I thought it was great. i like to see someone really... Um, you know, she's she's at a time when she lives in a place where women are not allowed to rule. Um, they're not allowed to be the Black Panther, at least. They're not allowed to fight unless they are in the army that supports Black Panther. So as a princess, she's really conflicted. She's got this incredible uh, knowledge to um, invent different things to help Wakanda, uh, to keep people safe. Um, and yet she's not allowed to be the person she wants to be. And so the stories about that conflict, yes, for mid-grade, you might say it's it's all a bit easy, it's all all a bit simple, Um, but sometimes you just want that as a book, and uh, it it kept me gripped. It's about 250 pages. I definitely want to read the next one. Uh, So that's Shuri, a Black Panther novel by Nick Stone. And lastly... We Come On Too Dearly by Margaret Atwood. I just think Margaret Atwood is amazing. Um, the, the time, I've probably said this again before, but the time I met her, I, I dread to think what I said to her. I have no knowledge of what I said. I imagine it was along the lines of, oh, I'm, very, I'm very pleased to meet you. I'm a very big fan of yours. Something awfully mortifying like that. I just dread to think. But anyway, she she was very I do remember that she was very polite to me and uh, she didn't she didn't say anything nasty. So that was good. She was very nice, very nice. And she did sign a book for me. So I'm very grateful for that. But I just dread to think I, I literally cannot remember a word that I said. And that's that's probably best that I have no memory of that. Cause it's bound to be incredibly embarrassing. Anyway, she has just published this collection of poems. Um. And it's absolutely wonderful. Some of them are very simple and funny. Others are very deep and significant. And it just gives you another view. You know, if, if all you've read of her books are a Handmaid's Tale*, it shows you've got a whole treasure trove of other books to read. Um, I I just I just think they're great. From there's one called *Spider Signatures* that that's wonderful. Um. The dear ones I liked, birds, oh, all different ones. If you like a book of poetry, then I think it's one to add to your collection. I wouldn't say if I could only have one book of poetry in the world, then I'd probably go for a collection of poems. But this is one that sits on my bedside table. And so that means it's a very important book and I look at it frequently. So there we go. Uh, Margaret Atwood's uh, dearly collection of poems. Excellent. So I think I've taken up enough of your time. Um, Oh, should I I read a first line from the Margaret Atwood? uh, Let's have a look. Let's have a look. Let's go to the first one. Okay. so the first poem is called Late Poems, and the first line is these are the late poems. I think I haven't given too much away with that. I think I'll be all right. I won't incur the wrath of Margaret Atwood. And let me tell you, I would never want to do that. So we've got The Art of Death by David Fennell. Really good, excellent book. Uh, Lockdown by Peter May. Again, really enjoyed that about a pandemic. Do I use the word enjoy? I, 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 well, I enjoyed the experience of reading it. Yes. Um, Shuri by Nick Stone. Again, a, a great change in reading. And The Dearly Poems by Margaret Atwood. I think I've taken up enough of your time today. I've got a great author interview for you next week. Some brilliant books to talk to you about. And just take care, look after yourselves and I'll see you again very soon. Take care now, bye-bye. You've been listening to the Quick Book Reviews podcast. That's enough books, said no one, ever.
0: See you again soon.